It is Tuesday, so it is time for a mental health break. This episode is all things emotional intelligence, and you've heard me use those words before. You've seen them in my books. They're extremely important, and we have an expert with us today to really break it down for us. But she also has her own story to share, and her career of service started to others as a seven-year-old, I learned, where she began working as a receptionist and a tutor in her father's psychology practice, so around mental health from a very young age. She has enthusiastically and passionately pursued designing systems, processes, activities, worksheets, and other tools that invite people to find and live their dreams through emotional balance. After earning a JD from Wake Forest University School of Law, she realized it didn't fully align with her gifts and talents or even her desire to help people in more deeper, meaningful ways. I can resonate a bit, a little differently, where I went to school for finance, and that turned out not to being the right path for me. But we're going to fast forward to right now. She has created an emotional intelligence 3.0, and this is what she reached out with. It caught my eye right away. It redefines the standard for efficient and effective development of emotional intelligence and high EQ. We're going to learn what all of those mean in just a few moments, so hang tight. But the skills that are associated with high emotional intelligence have a significant impact for the person who has the high EQ, those who are in a relationship with that person, or the organization that employs that person. We have an incredible testimonial head, certainly something unique, which I try very hard to bring to this show, unique stories each week. And since we have an emotional intelligence all-star with us today, I think the spotlight story would go great, something with that. So I found an article titled, the effects of emotional intelligence or EQ on anxiety, stress, and academic performance. And then we'll get our take on, our guest take on it. Excuse me. Tammy, let's kick this off. What does mental health mean to you? Well, for me, the mental, the term mental health is an all-encompassing social construct we've created to capture the overall well-being of a human. The well-being categories include, for me, right, include social, emotional, emotional, psychological, and uh, physical well-being. And each one of them have, you know, a host of ways to measure wellness. And for me, my focus is on facilitating that emotional well-being. At Tampa Counseling and Wellness, we want to remind you that it's okay to not be okay. Reaching out for support and asking for a little extra help can be overwhelming, but everyone deserves a safe space to heal. We're so honored to be that space for Florida residents. If you want to learn more about our services or you'd like to set up a free consultation with one of our clinicians, you can call or text us at 813-520-2807. We're looking forward to growing with you. I like that. And we might as well just kick off right in the beginning. For those folks who are not familiar with emotional intelligence, can you describe that to them? Sure. Um, and, you know, there's all sort like anything, there's multitude of definitions. Of course, For me, yes. it's really about, the, I, I would consider a traditional definition of emotional intelligence, your ability to manage your emotions and the emotions of others in the middle of a, of a conversation, exchange or engagement, right? So that neither of you get derailed by them. And those are skills that we all as humans need to constantly improve on as emotions and tough times. Unfortunately, we're here forever. Tough times come with the good times, and we have to know how to combat the good with the difficult. Thank you for that, and thank you for kicking us off. Everyone, again, this is a mental health break. I thank you for taking the time to sit down with my guest and I. 
As I mentioned, we have an awesome show ahead, all things emotional intelligence. So we are all going to improve today. My name is Vincent A. Lancey, and you can check out Mental Health Week or Mr. Lancey Talks Mental Health, my mental health books on Amazon after the show ends. If it's your first time with us, welcome. Each week, I sit down with a mental health advocate or a professional from all over the world to help you on your journey because I'm a firm believer and you never know which part of someone's journey will resonate with you most. We're going to learn her why and everything in between. But would you mind introducing yourself to everyone? Say hello to them on a personal side. And then we're going to dive right into your mental health journey. Sure. I, I just want to quickly say, Vince, we're kindred spirits. While I didn't experience a TBI, I did have high fevers as an infant that created gaps in my mental abilities. And so I, I, I feel with you about having to learn all over again, right? So um, I'm very privileged to be here. Um, and, um, you know, I'm the daughter of a psychologist, um, as you as you mentioned, and I'm the sister to two psychologists. And I resisted that path for years. Instead of um, choosing to continue the family tradition of being of service to others, um, through psychology, I chose the practice of law, and I never felt comfortable in that practice. Um, so in my 30s, I went back to school and got the PhD in leadership and organizational change. And after receiving my PhD, I moved into leadership consulting and coaching. And I found coaching a beautiful way for me to help people um, uh, find their, their best selves. And that led me to where I am now, which is building transformative systems, processes, and tools that enable emotional well-being with that focus on emotional intelligence and emotional balance. It's incredible work you're doing, and it certainly impacts so many positively. I, I, Like I said, I've expressed my excitement to have you on the show today as I came across your bio because I've done some research on emotional intelligence. I've tried to incorporate it in my books. I've even created some projects that were never finished with others because of COVID, all based on emotional intelligence. I think it's a very important topic, but I would love to start with you to share your mental health journey, and then we're going to dive into maybe a little bit about your practice. Sure. And do you mind if I ask you um, uh, sort of what caught you? What, what about emotional intelligence captured your attention? Well, with the kids' books, I, I stress to the kids that like I said, kind of for the good come with the bad and you have to know that it's okay to have these feelings. It's okay to have these emotions and all of these feelings and emotions are going to affect your schoolwork, your personal life, and just letting them know that it's okay and they're not alone. That is so beautiful. Thank you for doing that in the world because that's that's what emotional intelligence is about, right? Is that, um, and I think, I think it might be the poet David White who calls it the bitter and the sweet of life, right? We have to be able to stand in the middle of the bitter and the sweet and not allow either one of us to pull, to take us over the edge um, in a way that we can't recover from. Um, but for me, um, you know, the first 50 years, I'd like to say I outgrew this as a young lady, but <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a slow learner and I have a hard head. Um, and so it took a long time, right? The first 50 years of my life are filled with angry Tommy stories and feeling less than, right? And those are both being, um, both rooted in being born with what was at the time a, a little understood medical issue. Um, my temperature control mechanism didn't work. So when I get around certain things, my temperature would spike to 105. Um, my parents would pack me in ice trying to bring the temperature down. Uh, the doctors told my parents, 
But listen, there's nothing we can do. Hopefully she'll grow out of it. I can't imagine being a parent and being told that about a child, right? Same with your parents on the night that you, you know, they said, we don't think you're going to make it through the night. I can't imagine as a, you know, as a parent, um, what that feels like. And they basically said to my parents, either she'll survive or she won't. Um, and the goal was to keep me alive long enough by packing me in ice whenever that happened, uh, the fevers of 105. They said I wouldn't live until three. And when I turned three, they said she won't make it till seven. And when I made it to seven, they said she's going to be brain damaged and she'll never graduate from high school. And, um, you know, my dad just refused to hear that as a psychologist, you know, as someone who believed in people can always get better. Um, he kept investing in me. Um, I, and I, I was angry that I was born sick. I was angry about having to struggle. I was angry when I didn't get my way because my illness allowed me to control the household. So what I wanted, I got, but that didn't work so well out in the real world, right? <laughs> and then I was angry about how much anger I had. I struggled in school because of the holes in my and my capabilities from the high fevers, so much so that I actually quit school in the second grade. I think that's a bold move for a seven for a seven year old. <laughs> I just one day I came home and I said, I'm not going back to school. Um, and I didn't um for a couple of months. And that was prompted by, I couldn't figure out how to write. Um, and that struggle followed me all the way through high school. Um, geometry was one big skirmish. Even now I struggle with language. I'll be reading and I see a word. I know I know it, but I'm not able to pronounce it correctly. And because of those experiences, I didn't love myself very much. And I felt less than um, uh, for most of my life. Lucky for me, my dad was trained, you know, as a child psychologist. So he just kept hanging in there with me. Um, training my brain to operate in new ways, which I know you've experienced, right? Training the brain to operate in new ways. And so I'm able today to see hidden connections that others don't see because of my childhood experiences. It's a beautiful gift from my illness. I don't know how you feel about yours, but I, I, I value the experiences I had. It brought me here and here is a beautiful place. Well, thank you for having the perseverance to keep going and inspiring our audience through that story. I can also, of course, resonate how to retrain my brain. I was a student that would look over a paper for an hour, maybe for an exam, get a B or something better. Then I learned I, my memory was shot. I had to read, write, type, read, write, type, read, write, type over and over and over to retain just a bit of that information. But through those, and I was just actually talking about this yesterday with the lessons I learned, relearning how to walk, talk, all of these things, how that bettered my discipline in every area. And even now in entrepreneurship, I can probably attribute some of those experiences to my work ethic and the 18-hour days in the beginning of this, not so much anymore, but for years at a time because my brain was retrained to do so. So I love how you brought that up. And thank you again for sharing that part of your story. But can now, I know you had the JD, you went back to the family the business. Can you describe more of that experience for our audience? There may be some people out there who are in your shoes that are in a career they like, but they don't love, they have a passion somewhere else. If you could describe that process. You know, um, Vince, that's, a, that's such a beautiful question. And that is, um, so the, so the premise of the, of the book, emotional intelligence 3.0 is that there's an unwritten rule of life. Um, and that unwritten rule says it's not safe to be who you are. So be something else. And the system will dictate what that is. Right. And what happens is living under that rule unknowingly impacts uh, our self-image around love and power. 
right? And for me, because since the time I was four, my father said, you're, you're going to be a lawyer, right? So the, the unwritten rule of my system said, you're going to be a lawyer. You're not going to get your own choice. And so I grew up, I'm going to law school. That's what I'm going to do. That's how I'm going to be of service. And um, uh, shortly after my father passed away in 1998, I was sitting, I was having dinner with my mother. I'd been a lawyer for almost uh, a decade. I wasn't happy. I knew it, um, but I also didn't want to disappoint my father. And when he passed away in February of 98, I'm sitting there with my mother in probably April at dinner. And I said, mom, I feel like I'm supposed to be doing something and I don't know what it is. And she said, wow, your, your dad used to say the same thing. Really, mom, when? Oh, right up until he died. I, I can't explain to you how I felt internally knowing my father passed away, not knowing he fulfilled his purpose in this life. That I didn't want that for me. I didn't want that for my children. Mm -hmm. I didn't want that for anybody else. So that sent me down a path of trying to figure out who am I and why am I here and what difference will I make, right? Those three big existential questions. What happened is um, as I began studying emotional well-being rooted in this question, this burning question inside of me, I'm supposed to be doing something. What is it? You know, there's no book out there that says, hey, you're going to get a burning question and this is how you answer it, right? So I, I, looking back now, I understand that that's actually a very specific developmental moment in the spiral of emotional balance, right? When you, we get, when, when our anger reaches a point that we want to do something about it, it usually comes in the form of a burning question, right? And sometimes people don't, this doesn't happen to them until their 40s and 50s. And what people will call a midlife crisis isn't really that. What happened is the person finally has enough life history to know what they're doing's not working. But we don't build bridges for people to walk away from their lives the way they're designed now. So they'll, they'll blow their life up because they don't know any other way to do it. And one of my goals is I don't want people to blow their lives up anymore. I want there to be a pathway to turning toward that which you came here to be. Because my firm belief is there's there's something in the world only you can do, and there's a place in the world that only you can do it. And we struggle so much to find that. And that not knowing that leads to unhappiness and emotional absolutely um, right uh, emotional imbalance. Y'all, you're doing an incredible service, and I think that I'm not incredibly old. I just turned 31, but there's certain things I feel like I don't want to change. You know, like I, I, you have to, you have to talk. Growth is uncomfortable sometimes. We have to step outside our comfort zone for the better, or if it's for the worse, at least you tried. You always have to give that effort, and I love the effort you're putting forth. When did this book come out? Uh, the book actually came out um, September 13th. All right. Well, after this ends, we'll have to get you scheduled for writing with authors. Everyone tuning in, I've played uh, Wes Woodson's show on here. I Have Anxiety, So What is his book? I have a YouTube series here. Uh, tell me where I think we have about 45, 46 recordings up there. It's not this show and that entrepreneur show have been weekly since they've started. That show is taking breaks. Um, it's, I have four of them recorded or five, so I'll get ready to put that back up. We'll have to get that done. So you can learn more about that book. If this sounds like something you're really interested in, or you want to learn more about 
Stick around to the end of the show. We'll find out how to get in touch with her. And the show description will hold that uh, that link for writing with authors. But until then, I think it is a great time now to hop into that spotlight story. As I mentioned, the article is titled, The Effects of Emotional Intelligence on Anxiety, Stress, and Academic Performance. It's a nice little article I found, and then we'll get our guest's take on it. As our guest beautifully said in the beginning, emotional intelligence, it refers to one's ability to recognize, control, and assess emotions in just different words, of course. Some experts believe that you can learn and strengthen your EQ, and I think our guest here has taught us that today. Right now, I'd like to briefly touch on the four components of emotional intelligence, and that is perceiving emotions, reasoning with emotions, understanding emotions, and managing emotions, and we'll start with perceiving. Understanding emotions requires knowing how to perceive them and understanding how to see the emotions in others. This means being aware of nonverbal cues like facial expression and body language. Reasoning with emotions requires your emotions to promote cognitive activity. Emotions can help you decide what to pay attention to and how to react to it, if at all. When you exercise more self-awareness, you can make intentional decisions on where to focus. I think that's 100% true. Now we'll look at understanding emotions. Emotional intelligence requires understanding the cause and meaning of emotion. Quick example, if your spouse is displaying anger, it could mean you did something wrong. But it could also mean that they had a bad day at work. You can also use this to understand your own emotions and where you stem from. Before we bring our guests back on, two areas I want to touch on quickly, some benefits in everyday life of emotional intelligence and how emotional intelligence affects stress and anxiety. Some benefits to this website list, thinking before reacting in emotional situations, improve self-awareness, improve empathy for those around you, ability to accept criticism and responsibility, better listening and communications, and all one here, better problem-solving skills. I think these are all incredible skills that, as humans, we can always use some work on as we are not perfect. But last part here, everyone, how does emotional intelligence affect stress and anxiety? I would really like to touch on this. A high EQ can help you manage your stress better. Building emotional intelligence helps you manage stress in several ways, and it helps you assess situations better, cope with pressure, and navigate social conflict. It can also work as a stress buffer. Individuals with high EQ are less likely to become overwhelmed in stressful situations, yet they're also likely to recover faster once the situation has passed. Think of the value in that. Having a high EQ does not mean that a person is never anxious or never depressed. They may even be more prone to emotional trauma like anxiety and depression, but that's because there's more in tune with they're more in tune with uncomfortable emotions, both own and around them. What do you take away from this incredible article here, Tommy? Well, so first of all, what a what a beautiful resource you found. Um, it's a lovely article. Um, it shares with the audience the power of emotional intelligence and high EQ. It also, for me, offers the traditional ways of improving emotional intelligence by working on or improving the what I call the outputs of emotional intelligence. Are you self-aware? Um, are you em empathetic? Are you positive? Are you optimistic? And I, personally, I'm a root cause girl. That means I don't want to use willpower to manage my outputs like empathy or positivity or optimism. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I don't 
I don't like to point out other people's frailties because I have so many of my own and we can use the behavior of others as learning opportunities. Thus, I refer us to the Oscar incident with Chris Rock and Will Smith, right? Will Smith ran out of willpower. I know that's not, that was not intended to be a bad joke, right? That Will Smith ran out of willpower and his bruised emotional imprints took over and ran the show. For me, if you want to impact your emotional intelligence, you have to work with what the inputs are, not the outputs are, mm. what the outputs are. Does that, that make sense? It's not just one way. You have to put in the work. She's telling us that in a, in a great way. Of course, your expertise is going a long way as I do not have this in this subject, but now I have grown my knowledge base quite a bit on the subject. Thank you for that great analysis. But now it's back to you here. I love this question because it really helps everyone tuning in. What are some things you do to improve your mental health world on a daily, short-term basis, long-term basis? What are some things that really work for you? As I always stress, what works for some does not always work for others, and there are plenty of options out there. My goal is to always provide you with some new ideas and techniques to help you grow. That's a that's a beautiful question. And for me, I think the answer for both, you know, for whether it's the short term or the long term is be curious. Be curious now and later. And here's here's, you know, one of the things, one of the key inputs in emotional intelligence 3.0 is awareness, mm-hmm. right? And there are different levels of awareness. We can we can have blind awareness, which was we don't know anything about it. We can see things, we can know things, or we can embody things. Mm-hmm. And what we've learned is just because we see and know something different, it doesn't lead to a change in behavior, right? right. So we have to be curious about why is this happening to me, right? Why Or, or curious about why do I continue to get angry? Or why do things not work out for me? And curiosity is a very unique type of knowledge seeking because it's internally driven. It's internally motivated. You want to know the answer. It's not like being force fed in school. Um, so for me, that's a that's a that's a big thing is be curious. I love that. I think that you can always grow. It just you have to go out there and do it. I think there's a quote so you can read a million books, but if you don't apply any of the books, then <laughs> It's just wasted knowledge, and I had to agree with that. But before we sign off of such a wonderful show, what is one piece of advice you can give to all of our mental health champions out there who may be struggling right now? Ah, Dear souls, I love you, and thank you for showing up each day and fighting the good fight in only the way that you can. You know, as I mentioned, each of us has a place in the world that only we can fill Uh, We each have something to do that only we can do. And if that's the place you're working from, then even on your bad days, you're still doing good. No matter what it is, you've got it. And I'm cheering you every step of the way. And thank you for being you. It could always be worse. Well said. Now tell everybody where they can find you, your book, All Things You. Yeah, well, thank you for that. All things Tommy. Well, you can uh, get the book on Barnes and Nobles or Amazon.com. It's called Emotional Intelligence 3.0, How to Stop Playing Small in a Really Big Universe. Um, There are already, uh, you you can go to TommyLama.com and there's 10 Steps to Happiness. That's Raising Emotional Intelligence for Individuals. Um, If you want to find out how emotionally balanced you are, you can take the Emotional State Indicator on TommyBrian.com. Yes, all those links will be in the show description. So just scroll down and thank you again, Tommy, for a great show. 
We are at Vincent A. Lancey and at a mental health break on all social media platforms. Be sure to head to that YouTube channel for writing with authors series and so much more of the content I've been pushing out. I finally last year or so have over that shiny object syndrome with Instagram and I'm moving towards creating the video and content for you, the listeners, the supporters. Mental Health Week and Mr. Lancey Talks Mental Health are on Amazon now. And until next Tuesday, I am signing off. I wish you all a great week ahead. And Tommy, thank you again. Thank you.